You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to The Good GP, the educational podcast for busy GPs. My name's Christina Delange and I'm delighted to be joining the team of The Good GP um, and really excited to be having my first go at interviewing at GP19, which is the annual clinical conference for the RACGP. We're recording this live, so welcome to everybody in the audience today. Hey. <laughs> And also a big shout out to everybody who's listening from home, in the car, at work, pounding the pavement, in the gym, on the toilet, whatever way you like to get your podcast fix, welcome. Today I am joined by the amazing team members, Sean and Tim, and both Sean and I are going to be interviewing Tim about how to give good injections, which I think is a a great uh, skill to have as a GP because it's something that we do have to do. Uh, So Tim, keen to know why is it important then that we do make injections a better experience for our patients? Yeah, it's a really important question. It's it's one I've thought a lot about actually, you know, particularly this year. And I don't know about you know everyone else in the audience, but I actually found myself injecting a lot more people with the flu vaccination this year. Partly because it was a really busy, heavy flu season, um, and partly because you know our nurses were sort of overrun. So I just decided to, oh, I'm just going to inject a lot more people myself because it was quicker and easier. You know, as I did it more and more, and you know you in a busy day, you're often injecting 10, 15 people, I sort of start to notice, well, some injections are quite painful and some aren't. And I started to think around, well, what makes a good injection? How does it happen? And why are some injections painful? And, and why, are, why are some injections fantastic experiences? Or not fantastic, but, you know, they're not... They're, <laughs> no, actually, I would say... Uh, I haven't had one of them, Tim. I'll have to get well, you to give well, me one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say this to you, Sean... When someone, you give someone a painless injection and when they've been anticipating a really, really painful injection, they walk away and they go, I didn't feel that. They really think it's a, a really amazing experience. Well, and it's the thing that people talk about most after injection. They don't talk about, gee, I'm glad I'm covered for A1N1 flu. They go, that buddy was an excellent injection. I didn't feel it. Yeah, and you know, I think that really builds trust in what you do. So, you know, I think about the process of having an injection as a patient. It's the ultimate sign in trust because you're coming to someone who you know is going to inflict harm upon you, and and you're you're totally you know reliant on them, and you're, you're ceding your control over your pain to them, basically. So, the trust factor is a really really important thing, and I think particularly because we inject a lot of kids with immunisations, obviously, for parents to trust their children, for you to cause a bit of pain in their child um, is an amazing thing. And I think as GPs, the more we can work on those types of experiences where we build trust, we build rapport with patients, it's a really important thing. But, you know, this is something that we do all the time and there's really little scholarly evidence or study on it and actually we don't even talk about it that much, what, what works and what doesn't work. So I thought I'd sort of delve into the research about it. Beyond that, I sort of started to think about it more generally in terms of what are the messages we're putting out around pain because when you inject a child, say, for their two-month vaccination, that's often their first experience ever with physical pain, basically. So you're actually setting up... It's an opportunity to set up behaviours, expectations and responses around pain. So it's, it's a really important opportunity as a doctor and as a parent to sort of really model someone's pain behaviour potentially for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So, Tim, I remember reading some stuff around... I read one where you give some glucose to two-month, four-month, six-months-old. 
and I read some stuff that maybe, you know, if they're breastfed, actually breastfeeding them. Can you tell me a little bit about the evidence on that? Did you see anything there? There is a little bit of evidence for giving glucose. Um, you know, in the practice, I think a lot of people give uh, people lollies for injections. What I did notice is people tend to give the lollies after the injection <laughs> rather than before the injection. And the studies on glucose were for, for giving it beforehand. So that certainly is, you know, something that you might want to consider. Uh, I don't know too much about the breastfeeding one, but, you know, it's something that I tend to encourage, but tend to encourage after the injection rather than before so yeah. Chris Sonny you're the um, world expert on uh, unsettled infants what do you reckon? <laughs> well I have had a bit of experience in doing immunizations because at a previous clinic I worked at actually for a full year we didn't have a practice nurse so I actually did all of the immunizations. Uh, yeah I actually did find that doing the injection during the breastfeed at whilst um, or a bottle feed actually can be helpful um, and you know but ensuring that they're actually established in that feed during but really I put it on to the parents because some mums really want to do that some mums might be worried about that association so I you know I think it can be helpful but I do put it back on to the parents but I'm keen to know because I have done a lot of injecting and will continue to do um, I'm really keen to know generally let's talk about paediatric cases what other things can we be doing yeah, it's interesting to think about well, what makes an injection painful. And I guess I would think about pain in injections in two ways. There's the sort of psychological factors that affect pain and then there's the, the physical factors that affect pain. And I think that's why we do see so much variation from person to person in terms of the injection experience. You know, what we do know is that things like how anxious someone is, um, whether they have an underlying emotional health problem will actually affect how much pain they experience. Um, then there's physical things like the temperature of, of what you inject seems to have a big effect on how painful it is. There's certainly studies that very cold local anaesthetics are a lot more painful than room temperature local anaesthetic. The pH, the viscosity, anyone who's ever injected testosterone can attest to the fact that that's quite a painful injection and it's super thick and viscous. The needle type, interestingly, is uh, quite a significant factor in the amount of pain that people experience. So um, there's a lot of studies on diabetic injections and most of us, when we inject, will use sort of a, a brand like Terumo or, or, or one of the standard brands and they are a two-facet needle and the advances that, that have happened is that they now have sort of five to seven facet needles for diabetic injections and there's certainly a lot less pain associated with those sorts of modern needles. Beyond that the needle size is a factor so we do know actually I mean intuitively you would think a smaller needle is better um, and there's good evidence that ultra fine needles actually give you a lot less pain but if we look at the typical in needles that we inject with in general practice, which tend to be 23-gauge and 25-gauge needles, there's actually negligible difference between injecting a 23 and a 25-gauge needle. And then last of sometimes with injections, there's just a bit of potluck in it, basically. People, people often ask me to reflect, why was that painful? And, you know, ostensibly you do two people, same injection, you know, immediately after each other, and one's painful and one's not. So, yeah. So you've tended to focus then on the nociceptive factors there about reducing pain with ejection. So what about the psychological factors? We know that pain is obviously a very multifactorial experience. So what about the psychological aspects that might uh, help to reduce pain associated with injections? Yeah, and this is really interesting. I think this is where I sort of picked up a lot of practical tips around you know, preparing patients for injections. So there's a thing with pain around what you tell people to expect with pain and injections. Uh, and what we find is that if you tell people it's not going to hurt at all, 
it actually causes more pain. So um, saying you won't experience any pain is not a good strategy, but equally saying this is going to be horribly painful uh, is also a really poor strategy. It actually, expectancy actually increases pain. So, you know, really what you want to do is give them an honest expectation of pain. And the tip I would give is I tell people I'm going to give you an injection. Uh, it's probably going to feel like a pinch or the intensity of a pinch for about three to five seconds. And giving them that kind of expectation of that pain is, I think, a good way of setting up the, the right expectancy and reducing worry and anxiety. Getting the expectancy right, I think, is a really important thing. The next important thing is actually trying to gauge, well, how anxious are they? Because the more anxious someone is, the worse their experience is going to be and the worse their pain is going to be. I actually ask patients, are you worried about pain do you have any worries about having the injection? Uh, and just try and gauge that from them. Then if they are, and they, they often say, yeah, I really find it hard to have needles, I sort of talk about, well, what are you worried about? And interestingly, what they tend to worry about isn't so much the pain. It's, it's more the sort of general fear and loss of control, basically. And that's, I guess, an important thing to sort of recognise, that actually what's causing you to feel anxious is just that worry. It's the worry about being in a health setting and, and not being in control. And that's where I say, well, look, I give about a 1,000 injections a year and, you know, I've done lots of work on trying to make it as painless as possible and we're going to try some different techniques to make sure it's not very painful for you. So managing that, managing the, the anxiety around it is really, really important, basically. Beyond that with kids, and, and your question was around kids, I think talking to the parents about what normal pain behaviour is really, really important. And particularly, I mean, the, the setting I really hate is when you get lots of kids in one room and you know you've got one sort of slightly, let's say, hysterical child with, with injections. So trying to manage that um, situation really, really well is important. So the things that I try and do is, well, you don't inject the difficult child first as a starting point because the whole room ends up screaming, basically. Um, so that's the first important thing. So injecting the, the easy children first and then, you know, taking the time to actually sort of deal with that child and deal with that child's anxiety, which, you know, once again can be really time-consuming but is really, really important. And what I find, you know, you often get into sort of, it's almost like a hostage situation with a really, really anxious child around talking about why they need to have an injection and it's a really, really difficult conversation. And I, you know, often talk to the child about this idea of control, which is I recognise that you want to be in control of this situation, but, you know, this is what I do and this is my job and this is what I'm good at and I need to be the boss here, so you need to let me give this injection to you in the way that I need to do it. Otherwise, it's much more likely to be uncomfortable for you. So if you let me be the boss, you'll find it's a lot less painful, basically. Taking a little bit of that control and leading that anxiety to be lower, I think, is really, really important. Beyond that, there are other sort of anxiety-relieving uh, techniques, like deep breathing has been really well-proven to actually diminish pain. Just distraction. So I'll often just talk to people ask them a question whilst you're injecting you. I often find that they start talking and you've injected by the time they've finished the sentence and they've forgotten about the pain before you know it. And then lastly, just making sure you've got a really, really good routine for injecting so that you're doing the same thing every time and you very much are that person who's in control of the scenario really, really helps. So, Tim, can I just bring you back just to um, drill into a point that you made around expectancy because you talked about in that moment, I guess, giving some warning about what the injection might feel like. What do you think, again, bringing it back to a paediatric situation, what do you think about actually encouraging the parent to give some warning to the child prior to the appointment as opposed to the child coming in and it being sprung on them? So we're just going to see the GP and then when they get in there, 
by the way, we're going to give it, as opposed to maybe that morning or the night before sort of talking through that with the child. Do you have any thoughts about that? It's really about judging the anxiety of the child and what will aggravate the anxiety in the child. I tend to sort of advocate being very open and honest about it. You know, I would prefer a child to know that they're coming in for an injection and knowing that that's what they're going to be doing and expecting that. I like this idea of talking to the child about fear and, you know, who owns the fear in you. You know, the way we can do an injection is you can get very afraid and make it a very painful experience so the fear owns you or you can be brave and own the fear yourself and it'll be a lot less painful an event and talking around the management of fear and saying that your anxiety and fear is very manageable is a really helpful and important thing to do I think. So Tim you mentioned about distraction and distraction being important I know a lot of practices will use bubbles for younger kids and I know your practice does and the practice that I was at previously does quite labour intensive in that you will because really you want to get your needles in as quickly as possible if you've got one person doing bubbles and two people doing needles do you have any comments around that or do you have any you mentioned talking do you have any other suggestions or thoughts around that I think it's really worthwhile thinking about this encounter as a really important encounter as a practice. And the one thing we've done as a practice is really try and make our experience really uniform so you follow a routine and that we actually do put the staff time and effort into making it as good an experience as possible because, you know, once again, you know, we talk about that idea of trust and once that patient trusts you, the parent trusts you to do those injections and you're going to be giving five of them over the course of the first two years of their life, it really builds that relationship really really strong so there is that sense of trust yes it's a lot of effort and you know going to that effort to you know have someone to blow bubbles or make sure that there's a room to breastfeed in afterwards and um, really sort of manage that patient and and their children really well that bit of kindness I think makes a real big Mm. bit of difference and people walk away maybe not happy but I I do think a lot of people walk away feeling quite happy about their experience. Mm, It's all to do with expectations isn't it if you're expecting a really painful injection and it's like a pinch then you're happy. Yeah oh and that's the other thing that I do there's reasonably good evidence that a arm rub actually diminishes pain both in children and in adults so I'll um, with my thumb rub into the thigh or the arm for about often sort of five to ten seconds Uh, and it's sort of probably the intensity that you would rub someone in in a massage with basically Uh, and that certainly tends to diminish the amount of pain people experience. So I've got one for you my dad's uh, GP who's retired now like your dad sort of you know 50 plus years experience tens of thousands of injections he swears by stretching the skin and then giving the injection whilst the skin is spread. Any comments, anything in the literature about that, or is that a, you know, N equals 10,000? Yeah, so I did look at that, and that was called, like, I think, the Z technique or, or something right. like that, where, and it related to anaesthesia injections originally, as far as I can remember. There's not a lot of good evidence for it, but, you know, once again, I would just, you know, advocate following the routine that you always do and trying yeah. to really think about your setup and routine really carefully so that you know, you're know you confident and, and that you're in control, basically, because I think that helps allay that anxiety around injections. Tim, um, I'm keen to know then, as a take-home, you know, if you had to say three top tips for giving injections to children, three top tips for giving injections to adults, what would you say? Yeah, OK. Um, so, firstly, with a young child, be really re- well prepared and follow the routine uh, that you always do. I always try and have a two-person immunisation whenever you're giving more than one injection. So you inject the two injections simultaneously. 
So that's the most important thing. With little kids, I really like you know rubbing the leg as I described and then injecting quite quickly. Um, and the reason why is a baby will often contract their, their muscles basically and that increases the amount of pressure that you're injecting against. And, and my thoughts are when you're injecting with a lot of force, it tends to be much more likely that you're going to cause a lot more pain. There's certainly evidence to show that if you inject and you draw blood, it's much more likely to have been painful. Um, so trying to you know, do it against a relaxed muscle as much as possible. Um, I do inject quickly in, in babies and then slowly in adults. And then after the injection's done, I make sure that you do sort of something nice uh, like blow bubbles or give the child a, a sweet or something like that. That's my tips for children. With regard to adults, I'd actually routinely ask adults if they're worried about injections. Um, so, you know, unmasking whether there's actually an anxiety there. Surprisingly, a lot of people have anxiety around having injections. It, it will really, really surprise you. So it's really prevalent and common. And then spending a little bit of time to manage that anxiety around injections is, is really important. With regard to adults, I give them a good rub and then I distract them. So I actually ask, as I'm rubbing the arm, I say, tell us about your day yesterday or what are you doing tomorrow? And as people are talking, I inject and that tends to really make it a lot more painless. Um, and then once again, I insert quickly and inject slowly in adults. So you want to inject into a relaxed muscle as much as possible um, and you know, use as little pressure as possible. Fantastic. Thanks, Tim. We might throw it open to the floor then. Okay, at the front here. Very important addition too is when you're thinking I'm going to give a good injection, always link it with the thought I'm going to give the right injection. You can be so wound up on making it pain-free and relaxing the person that you may forget to pay attention to say, hang on, is this the right one to give? Yeah, I completely agree. It's actually one of the most common errors in practice is giving the wrong injection. Um, I think looking at your systems around that is really important in the practice. The one thing you know we try and do as a practice is have all the two-month injections in one specific bag so you're not reaching for multiple different injections. They're all bagged together. You're giving them all at the same time, the same for every group. But checking between yourself and, and the nurse and, and what's been given in the past is really important. The other really important thing is when you go into flu vaccine season, often people think they're coming in for a flu vaccine but they're actually here for a routine immunisation or something else so just confirming with them what they expect to have is really important. So. What do you normally do when you're giving an injection blood comes in your syringe? Uh, you're talking about if you see a flashback of blood as you inject in the actual needle itself? I always withdraw the withdraw before I give injection, but very infrequently or probably rarely it is going to happen once in a while that you are in a, in a vascular tree and not into the muscles or through the muscles. So in that case, what do you normally do? There are studies on, on that withdrawal technique because that actually affects how quickly you can inject in. Look, I think if you do see a flash, you're very brave to inject. The reality is if you're injecting into the deltoid or the thigh, your risk of perforating a big vessel if you're in the lateral aspect of the thigh or on the deltoid is you know, incredibly small. So um, it's a, they're both very safe sites to inject. Tim, did you come across coughing at the time of a vaccination in your literature review? So coughing as a... Is it, yeah, so BMJ just had an article on coughing at the time of the injection reducing pain, which I thought was interesting. It certainly creates more movement when I've tried it. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I didn't come across that, Chris, but you know, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. I think it goes back to this point around distraction. Following a routine of distracting the patient, I think, is incredibly helpful in, in managing people's pain. So, uh, Tim, one or two patients may be out of blue. They are scared to death, needle phobia. 
what you do in that situation. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. You know, once again, I think this is actually a lot more common than we anticipate, actually, the amount of, of needle phobia that there is out there. I really spend time talking to patients around their fear and really try and break it down into, well, it's the equivalent of being pinched. Um, would you be afraid if I came up to you and said, I'm going to pinch you for five seconds? Because that's the equivalent of, of what we're doing. A lot of the people's worries is around the loss of control. But I say to them, you need to let me be in control so I can do this well. You wouldn't go on board the bus and ask the, the bus driver to take control because you're worried about having a car crash. So if you let me take control of this situation, it's what I do well, and I'll make it as painless as possible for you. So you know, taking the time to address that fear is a really important aspect of managing fear around pain and, and injections. In your re review, did you have a look at things like the Buzzy Bee and the, the sort of the ice dot kind of technologies? We do a lot of uh, bicillin injections up in Cape York and we sort of use those and, and Entinox quite frequently for, for bicillin but not for sort of routine injections. I did look at them. The Buzzy Bee, it's actually hard to find much around. So this is uh, a device that sort of rubs and electrically distracts the skin, basically. Um, and it's being used in a lot of children's hospitals at the moment, particularly for, I think, putting IV cannulas in um, and, you know, significant injections. There wasn't a lot of literature I could find. The evidence around cold is actually quite limited, actually. I certainly don't, you know, advocate that sort of cold technique. A lot of people will often put an ice pack on um, or there are actually a number of tools that actually apply a sort of cold spot to where you're going to inject. Um, but you did remind me of, a, of another thing. There is reasonably good evidence for using topical local anaesthetic in children and in adults um, to diminish pain. So, you know, that's something that you might want to consider if you're considering those two topical options. When I was younger, my GP used to uh, sort of smack the injection site and then immediately inject. Is there anything about that? I'm assuming it's similar to the rubbing thing, but it seemed to work pretty well. So. You, you were obviously a difficult child at the GP. Um, not that I could find, but, you know, I think there is reasonably good evidence around distraction. Um, and, you know, we're really, we're re-spinning the same principle, basically. I don't really have a problem with that as long as you're doing it the same way every time and you're giving people the same expectation every time. We've been talking about giving immunisations, but what about the context of giving local anaesthetic? And do you have any take on using bicarb with that local anaesthetic? Yeah, that's a great question. There's actually more evidence around local anaesthetic injections, interestingly enough, probably because surgeons tend to use local anaesthetic more and surgeons tend to be more sort of set up for academic studies. There is good evidence for buffering local anaesthetic, which is, I think, acidic. Uh, so buffering the acidity out actually genuinely diminishes pain off the top of my head and uh, it was about a uh, it's, it's sodium bicarbonate that they used um, and it's about a, a ninth of the amount of, of yeah it's local one, one in ten yeah. yeah and it's um yeah it's because the local anesthetic molecule the lignocaine molecule is quite unstable it needs to be in a very acidic environment otherwise it goes off in a, you know, a matter of days they make it very acidic, you dilute it one mil of bicarb to nine mils of local anaesthetic. The only issue is bicarb comes in massive bottles. It doesn't come in the small tubes that the local anaesthetic does. So it's actually, I looked at doing it when I was doing a lot more skin work and it, it's actually practically, it's quite difficult.
So thanks, Tim. Some really stimulating discussion there um, and some great take-home points and some really practical strategies for us to be able to implement in our own practices as GPs. So thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Christina. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.